Welcome to Home But Not Alone with Tim and Sarah, where we talk about real life as a stay-at-home Catholic parent. If it's noon and you're still in your pajamas, have reheated your coffee three times, and tried to pray but got distracted, this is the place for you. Life is crazy, but through it all, remember, you're never alone. You've got God's grace and our friendship coming your way. Today on Home But Not Alone, we're going to chat about nursery rhymes. Are they disturbing or very disturbing? Tim is going to help us dive into the weirdness of nursery rhymes and help us understand the merit of uncomfortable and even disturbing stories. Hey, Tim. Sarah, how are you today? Doing good. Yeah. How about you? You know, I am pretty good. I'm sitting at my desk staring at a lamp with a duck on it. So, you know, life, life is, uh, life's good. Uh, <laughs> this was a free lamp uh, made from an old youth group thing that some oh. kid gave me. So anyway, that's not interesting information. It's just, I'll put a picture of it up on social media. You know, I have this thing against lamps. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like a personal vendetta. What? What I don't know. I just hate, I hate lamps. Like I hate them. I hate everything about them. The way they sit on your desk or stand oh. in the corner, they just bother me. That's hilarious. And also should be some sort of a horror movie. It, it is like a horror movie in my brain. That's oh what lamps goodness. are. Yeah. So you, you see a, st- a tall skinny standing lamp in the corner of a room and you just what your subconscious pictures, like a murderer about to come out and I don't know. I just hate it. It fills me with this anger. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) But then, you know, like the house is just never bright enough. And so what am I going to do? Like fill every corner with lamps? You could. Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would never sleep at night. I don't think they knock them over. Yeah. it's rough. So you're just gonna I don't know why. Okay, so I ran in on that thing about the lamps, but let's talk about nursery rhymes. Let's talk about something also disturbing. <laughs> nursery rhymes. Really disturbing. Lamps and nursery rhymes, some of the most disturbing things I know. So when I was a kid, I had this book of nursery rhymes, and I don't really remember what was in them. It was like this like sick attraction to them because they always kind of bothered me, but I had to keep reading them. But there was one in particular that bothered me so much, and I don't even remember what one it was, but I was like, I cannot read this anymore so i glued the pages shut so i could still read yeah i was like oh you know i can't like rip them out because what if somebody wants the nursery rhyme on the back so i glued the pages shut so i didn't have to see that nursery rhyme anymore that's funny that like nursery a- rhymes they just make me so uncomfortable and i mean that one in particular but all of them like this book was just had this weird appeal to me so can you help me understand that well, so my, my college studies were, were in history, and I love history. Most people don't. Most people, they just they eh, history, eh, it's boring, it's not relevant to me. You know, these, I hear this all the time. And I think part of that is because we hear, oh, well, history's names, dates, you know, a list of boring facts. And it's like, yeah, that is, that's really boring. But I think what people struggle to comprehend the enormity of history, that there's so much out there and you could spend your entire life studying, say, just World War II and you'd never know everything about it. But I, I also think a, a big part of our, our, his, our, what do you call it? Uh, part of our history that turns people off is the, the uncertainty of it. We, we live in a culture that's it's obsessed with calling out fake news or wanting precise information. And I think that's a struggle people have with, 
with leaps of faith. Oh, I totally get religion. that about history, feeling uncertain. I've always felt that way about history. And I've had exactly what you're talking about, this aversion to history that makes me uncomfortable. But I totally see what you're saying, that it's uncertain. Because I, anytime I read something about history, it's like, how do I know that that's actually what happened and not just some person's opinion about what happened or how they view what happened? And, you know, we've already moved past it in time. So I feel like there's really no way to go back and know for sure. Absolutely. And you know what? I, I was even watching this video earlier today on YouTube, and it was how far can you go back in time and still understand English? And they would go back, oh, you know, after 150 years, there's words that are different. After 400 years, there's a lot but if we go back, say, 800, 900 years, we're not going to have a clue what's being said because language yeah. evolves so efficiently, not necessarily well, but it evolves or devolves rather efficiently. So, yeah, it's, it's really challenging. But what I've, I've found in my studies of history is you can take a variety of sources and you can determine their legitimacy based on other sources. And, you know, this is one of the things a lot of people ask questions about, say, the Bible, is they're like, well, yeah. wh where else is it recorded? And there are some great extra biblical sources out there that when we when we look at, say, records kept by, you know, the kings, or the, I should say the people who worked for the kings, or some of the historians of the day, we do find things that match up, and then we have to understand the culture of the day. And once we begin to understand all that, we can begin to really see a more clear picture. But one of the things I love about history is focusing on the people. I love focusing on the people because, you know, people can say, well, this was this happened at this date. In my studies, I focused mostly on the Civil War and the aftermath of, of slavery and everything that went along with that. Nothing has struck me more greatly than in the 1920s or so. They have audio recordings of people interviewing former slaves. Wow. And to hear the voices of these human beings who went through this thing that so many of us think of, this is the distant past. It doesn't affect me. I have, you know, it doesn't play a role in whatever part of my life. No, we can hear the voices of real human beings, people who have grandchildren who were still alive or who are still alive today. You know, this is, and maybe even children, I don't know. But yeah. it's, it's, so, it's so humbling to hear a human voice rather than to just read a statistic right. or a fact. Well, it's so, so different from like textbook history where everything is like kind of just, you know, lined up. This is X, Y, Z. This is what happened all in a row. It's wrapped up in this nice, like neat little bow, neat little package. And like you said, like all those dates and, and everything, you know, they make these history textbooks like so pretty. But it, history is not really pretty it's no. it's real and i don't think we get that from just reading a textbook absolutely you are a hundred percent correct on that and that's to to think about history as this well-polished thing well look at whatever's going on in our lives in our cultures in our societies when people look back on this hopefully they don't look at it with a brush of rose-colored glasses and paint it with oh and it's Everything was was great, or everything was very fit and easy. No, there's good the luck. Real struggles, <laughs> real struggles. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but I, I know, well, like living through it. It's like, how could you even be able to do that? I mean, you look at all the mess that we're surrounded by, but somehow we still manage to do that. Yes.
Well, and I think part of it is is fear. We're afraid of the truth. We're afraid yeah. to actually admit things went wrong or things, whatever it is. So I want to I want to dive into some of these actual nursery rhymes. So the one that always gets me. So how do these uh, like? So how do these tie into um, history? Well, these were written at a time when they they had a meaning. They were written down based on something, but. In the case of many of them, we've forgotten what they're really about, or we don't have proper record. All we can do is guess, or we can do what I said before, which is take different material, different sources, and use them as references to kind of paint a a gradual paint-by-numbers picture with, okay, this tells us a little of that, this tells us about that era, all sorts of things like that. So, so it almost like it seems like it almost gives us that insight, like you were saying about that recording. You know, those are somebody's actual words from that time. And it's yes. almost like these are, you know, these are those these people's words from that time. We just need to be able to understand them, I guess. Exactly. And, you know, so if we if we spend the time to try and understand them, then we'll know where they're coming from. What do they really mean? What, if any, implication do they have on my life, um, my oh. life at this time? Uh, and they also, it's, I don't know, it's a good way of determining what do I actually want to expose my children to or right. what don't I? So let's so, pick one. All right. So the one that just always kind of sticks in my craw, which is an expl- or which is a phrase I've never understood. I don't know where the human craw <laughs> is, but this is apparently in there, but it's Baba Black Sheep. And okay. the reason I don't like this, not the, not the nursery rhyme, but in recent years, people, especially in the United States, have started to sing Baba Rainbow Sheep because of the inhuman reality of slavery. And the fact that this word contains this, I'm sorry, this song contains the words black and master. So people incorrectly associate this with references to slavery, specifically American slavery. Oh. But that's not what it's about. Okay. This, originated far before that. Some records say it it was from the, the 1500s, but some say it's as early as the, the 13th century, the, the 1200s. And it's about a medieval wool tax imposed by a 13th in the 13th century by a king, by King Edward I. Because under the new rules, a third of the cost of a sack of wool went to the king as a tax. Another third went to the church, and the last third went to the farmer. So when the person is singing Baba Black Sheep are saying it, and they say, you know, uh, I have one for the master, that's the king, one for the dame, that's Holy Mother Church, and one for the little boy who lives down the lane, that is the person who farms the sheep. That, you know, that was the division. And in fact, black sheep's wool is less expensive. So oh. be, uh, because they, they couldn't get as much for it. It, was, it, it couldn't be dyed as easily. Right, yeah. White sheep's wool, you can dye to make, you any, make color any color you want. You black sheep's wool, you're stuck with black. Yeah, or <laughs> I don't know how you dye something black to be something else, but that's how it was. So that always bugs me that people tend to associate something that, yeah. I mean. It, like you're getting the history wrong on that. Yes, exactly. It was before there even was a United States, before there were colonies, right. let alone before there was American slavery. Right. So I, I think that that's, that's important. And it also reminds us of some of the 
issues of taxation throughout history, which is just the most boring sentence I've ever said. I almost fell asleep <laughs> saying <laughs> it. Oh. All right. So, so there's Bob Black Sheep. Yeah. Give us another one. So goosey goosey gander. I hadn't heard this until I just don't a even few know if I ago. know this one. It goes like this. It goes goosey goosey gander. Whither shall I wander upstairs and downstairs and in my lady's chamber. There I met an old man who would not say his prayers, so I took him by the left leg and threw him down the stairs. I think that so, one was in my book I had when I was a kid. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's so, so bizarre. Weird. And apparently, and again, this is what we think that it is about because some of this has been lost through time. But it's a story of religious persecution is what we understand it to be at a hmm. time when Catholic priests would have been forbidden to say their Latin prayers. Even even in secret, they weren't allowed to do it. They had to hide, and if they got caught, they were in trouble. Uh, but then there are others who say, well, no, that's not true. It's you know, it's about nothing at all. And I'm like, well, it's, it came from somewhere. So I don't know where it came from, but that's where some of the sources have said. And I think that's an important reminder that religious persecution is a longstanding thing. Yeah. And so we're, you know, so that one we're, we're reading to our children, talking about a priest being thrown down the stairs, being, you know, beaten up. And I'm like, hey, that's, that's lovely. So, <laughs> okay, I'm going to jump to another one real quick. Sure. The mulberry bush. Here we go around the mulberry bush. So I did some research and the best I could find on this one was that it originated in Wakefield Prison in England, where female inmates, they... They only had one area to exercise, and that was around a mulberry tree in a prison yard. Okay. And they just kind of came up with that while they were while they were running around exercising. Huh. And so again, we sing that with children, and we put a fun tune to it. But this is something that was made up by uh, women who were incarcerated. Right. Right. Maybe so. just to get them. Uh, right. Really difficult situation. Just kind of bring some levity to it. Maybe. Yeah, so this it's just these are all so bizarre. So bizarre. We tend to we tend to gloss over what are we actually saying? Where does this come right. from? Right. And so a lot of people think, oh, nursery rhymes, yeah, whatever, no big deal. But as recently as 1941, there's a group called the British Society for Nursery Rhyme Reform. They had condemned a hundred of the two hundred most common nursery rhymes of the day. No way. Yeah, including Humpty Dumpty. And three blind mice, which, by the way, Humpty Dumpty is about a cannon. It was about a cannon that fell off of the castle in defending it and broke and they couldn't fix it. So it's not about an no, egg. Oh, I wondered what was with that big egg. I don't know where the egg came from, <laughs> but that's not what it's about. It's the name of a cannon. I don't yeah. know why they named huh. the cannon, but maybe they didn't name it till it fell. I don't know. But that's what they did. That was the story. That So... So here's uh, so yeah. my question, because these are really, you know, uncomfortable stories. I would say whether or not we know for certain what they're about, there's sure. just this edge to them. Um, but I, I wonder, like, what's the merit in here? Like you said, they were banned. You know, should we read them to our kids? Should we not? Because I feel that there's uncomfortable stories everywhere, like even in the church. Like if I think of some of the par parables of Jesus, right, like the prodigal son. Oh, man, how about that older brother who... He did everything he was supposed to do, and he, he he didn't even get his party with his friends, right? Or the laborers in the vineyard, right? And some of the people worked all morning. Some of the people only 
worked in the field at closing time, but the guy paid them all the same. The master paid them all the same. And like, that doesn't seem fair. Um, or I look at the old Testament. Uh, Abraham was ready to kill his own son or God tells the Israelites to mow down their enemies. We got the story of Jacob and his two wives or Solomon who says, cut that baby in half. I, I just, all these uncomfortable stories are just like flooding into my brain as we're talking about these uncomfortable nursery rhymes. And like, what do we do? Where do we go as far as introducing these to our kids? Like, are these good things to introduce to our kids and kind of give them a sense of our history? Or are they things that we should avoid because of they're more complex? Or, or what do you what would you say? Like, shh. Are we supposed to sanitize history? Or are we not supposed to sanitize history, not even for our kids, whether it's nursery rhymes or stories from the Bible? What are your thoughts on that? You know, it's it's interesting because I was just reading somebody was saying that when, uh, oh gosh, St. Louis Martin, Therese of Lisieux's dad, when he would get the newspaper, he, he would read it and then he would cut out any articles that he deemed inappropriate for his children. Okay. And then he, he gave them the newspapers. So they would only see the news that he wanted them to see. He, they wouldn't be exposed to things they shouldn't be. So I was thinking about that and I thought, you know, that's such a, a an important thing to, to realize. I'm not saying we need to censor everything and we need to hide things from our children all the time. Don't, you know, let them live in this tiny little perfect world and then get their reality shattered when they get older because that's not healthy. But I think what St. Martin suggests or, you know, what his story suggests is that we do need to be very aware of the content that our children are consuming, right. whether it be TV or, or internet or whatever it is, because especially in their young formative years, they're developing ideas, they're developing right. You know, uh, a sense of self. They're trying to, you know, I, I, I've thought about this a lot recently because my three-year-old consistently talks about Jesus and Mama Mary. And yeah. for a moment recently, I thought, wow, she really loves them. And I thought, yeah, she also doesn't know a lot of other people. So, you know, <laughs> we talk about Jesus and right. Mama Mary every day. Right. So she is aware of their presence as much as a three-year-old can be. But she's not then necessarily aware of other things that I have said, no, we're not going to watch that or we're not going to talk about that. Right. So I, right. I think it's, it's important to do that. So we, we want to filter what our children are receiving, but we also don't want them to live in this world that is going to have their whole reality shattered by whatever you call it, living in this right. contained, uh, sheltered life. So I think there is an important aspect that a lot of people overlook. We need to tell our kids the truth, mm -hmm. but we need to tell it to them at an age appropriate level. So yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've tried telling my daughter again, who's three that, okay, people, Jesus died on the cross. She knows that. Well, then she'll ask, well, why, why did that happen? And I'll say, oh, we have people were being mean to Jesus, you know, or we'll see a, an image on the stations of the cross. And I'll say, oh, yeah, they weren't being nice to him. She knows what it means to not be nice. She right. doesn't know what it means to execute somebody. So right. she will learn that in the coming years. So I think it's important for us to understand the content that's being presented to our children. 
I think it's important for us to then present it at an age appropriate level, but to make sure we do present it so they don't grow up ignorant of the realities of the world. So they're prepared to face whatever it is. Right. So it sounds like it's a matter of of prudence and discernment, which I mean, that should be, you know, part of every aspect of parenting. Uh, We should always be aware of the decisions we're making and, you know, what we're doing for our kids, what we're showing to our kids. I think it just takes a thought and prayer. And I think it might be different, you know, for everyone and for every child, what your child is ready to hear or, or talk about. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that that drives me nuts when people try to to universalize certain things that are more of a prudential judgment. Mm. They say, you know, we're talking about the the disturbingness of, uh, I don't know if disturbingness is a word, Uh, the disturbingness of, uh, I can't stop saying it, of nursery rhymes. But whether or not people should read nursery rhymes to their kids, that's going to depend on where they're coming from. They have a great rhythm. They help the kids learn words and they can sing songs and they can do all of these different things. Wonderful. Uh, But at the same time, you want to make sure that you're not exposing them to something that they shouldn't be exposed to. So, you know, it's fine to sing. You want to scandalize them by, by, oh, did you know that this song is about throwing priests down the stairs? Like, no, you don't need to go into that. Maybe not yet. Anyways. Yeah. But maybe eventually, right. because you want them to understand there's, you know, there is a reality behind things. And one of the things I don't think we've done very well as a church is to actually push for depth. And right. it's right. important for us to not just say, what is this? We also have to say, where did it come from? Why does it say this? All these sorts of things. Right. And that's true of church teaching. That's true of stuff that we're exposed <laughs> to in society. There's my little baby knocking. <laughs> Here he comes. <laughs> He's coming to see us. He wants okay. to come know about nursery rhymes. Yeah, I guess he does. All right, well, you know what? That is a good time for us to wrap up then. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Join us next time for five saints that every dad needs to know. Make sure to subscribe, share this podcast, uh, like us on social media, etc. Sarah, where can people find you? To JesusSincerely.com is my blog, and you can find me on social media at To Jesus Sincerely. And you can find me at ChasteLove.org and at the Chaste Love on social media. So always remember, change the diaper right after you use the bathroom yourself. That way, you only have to wash your hands once. Big time saver. And remember, you're never alone.